everybody, and welcome to another episode of Office Hours, where the best minds in sales and marketing share the lessons that they've learned outside of the classroom to build more relatable and authentic brands. My name is Nina Butler. I lead the demand generation strategy here at Alice, and I'm joined today by a good friend, Becky Martins. So today's session, Becky and I are going to be talking about redefining the field. There's been a lot of chatter online recently in terms of what field marketing should and could look like now that the classic field as we once knew it's being redefined. So today we're going to talk about how to uplevel your skill set for the modern day field and ways to make sure that you are developing your skills to maintain a critical part of your revenue strategy and team. So I'm here to introduce Becky Martins and Becky's nine to five. She is the head of field marketing and ABM at, in North America at Zora. But more important to that, Becky has a whole host of five to nine passions that keep her going. So Becky, feel free to share with everybody what your five to nine is. Nina, and thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on today with you guys. Um, so yeah, the, the five to nine, I feel like that list was probably pretty long a year ago before a baby, before the pandemic. Um, if I were to summarize my five to nine now, it's really all around my family. Aww. We had a very sweet, cute little boy named Arthur in May. Um, and everything we really do between the five to nine is all about him. Um, my husband and I have a policy. We leave our phones in our office at five o'clock. We shut down our computers. We head downstairs and we enjoy dinner and bath time and bedtime together as a family. And it's, it's a really wonderful um, kind of new chapter for us this year. And, and this past it's kind of six, he's nine months next week. So it's been pretty incredible and a really nice shift in our lives. I, I love that. I love that. I think especially in this past year plus, folks have really redefined what their their work from home, their nine to five, five to nine balance looks like. So it's great that it was almost a forcing function to have a beautiful addition to your family to help rethink what those priorities and balance look like. Yeah, yeah, it's been really interesting. Having a baby within a pandemic definitely is, is challenging to put it lightly, but it's um, a silver lining is just being able to be home way more than we would have been. We're not traveling, we're not commuting. And it's the perfect reason just to sign off um, kind of mentally, physically from your computers. And I know it's kind of hard to do that sometimes when you're just working in your house. And oh, really? it's easy just to keep working and all of a sudden it's eight o'clock if you're not careful. But it's having a little baby and a family um, is just, yeah, it's, it's been a forcing function to really figure it out and get it right. And it's not perfect. We still struggle here and there, but it's, it's, it's been really wonderful. Just redefining the five to nine and, and thinking about it in terms of our family first. I love that. And when Arthur's of age and um, we're going to bring him on to office hours. So if you want to like prep him now or later, that's up to you, but he's, he's going to be a guest of ours. <laughs> awesome. I'll add it to his bedtime routine. We'll start talking about field marketing and ABM and all that stuff. Now. It's <laughs> never too early to get a game plan in motion. <laughs> I love that. So Becky, for folks who might be unfamiliar uh, with both yourself and Zora, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you're building over there and what you folks are setting out to achieve? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So, um, so Becky Martins, I've been with Zora for about five years. Actually, it's crazy to think it'll be five years in a month. And I lead our field marketing and now ABM team in North America, which is really all around of this shift um, of moving from a, let's say, kind of broad-based or spray and pray approach to thinking about um, our accounts in a more deliberate and value-based way. And the field marketing component to that is really around that one to few and one to one um, kind of part of that journey and really thinking about how we provide the most value to our most important accounts 
and also now how we do this in a mostly virtual world given the pandemic. So it's been a whole lot of um, shifting and learning and um, you know, we, I don't think we're 100% there yet, but we've made huge strides and in inroads that I'm really excited to share some of that with you guys today. I love that. And I was going to ask, how do you define field marketing at Zora? But it sounds like you really define it by delivering experiences that are within that one-to-one -one or one-to-few level of engagement. Do you, was that refinement a, a direct result of some shifts that you saw in the market over the past year? Or is that really what, what you and your team had set out to achieve five years ago, but now it's just it's able to, to be delivered in more meaningful ways now as people are interacting with marketing and, and sales organizations? Great question. And I'd say we definitely weren't there five years ago. I think a lot of companies have always struggled a bit with defining what field marketing is and kind of where they fit, where the function fits within kind of a global marketing organization, um, especially on the B2B side. And, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, kind of what the forcing function was, but I think what certainly helped was physically having to kind of decouple ourselves from this concept of events, which is I feel like where field marketing gets lost sometimes and almost becomes synonymous with event marketing. And mm -hmm. it's not to say field events and events in general aren't a, a kind of a key lever or critical lever of what we do. I mean, it's a perfect way to have that one to few or that one to one in person intimate experience or getting kind of a handful of like minded executives in a room and talking about a um, specific topic with the goal of progressing them to a deal or progressing an active deal already. But it's really helped us given that we can't have events in the way that we always have. I think it's allowed a lot of field marketing teams and just marketing organizations to redefine what it means um, kind of within this function and kind of our role and our charter. And, um, you know, for us at Zora, we are also in the process of just kind of shifting to more of an enterprise software company. We've, um, we went public a few years ago. We've been around for over a decade now, but it's just also kind of the life cycle of our company that we're getting really, really prescriptive of, kind of the key segments that we are a best fit for versus others that, you know, maybe they're not as much of a focus anymore. And then within those key segments, what are the right accounts that we know are a fit for Zora kind of prospect accounts? And then within that set of accounts, then what's the motion? What's the, how do we prioritize those? And that is kind of all of these things that sort of happened all around the same time for us. And it's led to this evolution of my team and actually marketing in general to think about ABM as a concept from field marketing, which is the one to few, one to one component, but the one to many, um, you know, that's for sure still a focus of our central demand and digital teams. And they're thinking about their world now in terms of kind of, you know, vertical markets mm -hmm. um, and, and not just being some of something to everybody, but even within our broader based campaigns, thinking about um, you know, verticals as kind of those sub-markets where yeah. we really want to focus, which is sort of this perfect trickle-down effect to us where we kind of within these key segments go after a handful of lookalike accounts or just single accounts, which are markets in themselves. And um, it's a really interesting just shift for us in general. And I'm, I would imagine we're not the only ones who are starting to think about kind of the evolution of B2B marketing, especially in a COVID world. And and field marketing to me is at the heart of it. It's so interesting the way you, I love the way that you describe that, but like the subtext there is almost this level of intentionality that we've, we as marketers have never, um, you know, had to think so critically about when it comes to B2B marketing. When we, when we think about intentionality, do you see field marketing's application being different in enterprise organizations versus more commercial or SMB, or do you see the intention being the same? You just execute it differently. 
Yeah, interesting question. I think when we were more commercially focused um, or SMB focused in past years, it was easier to do kind of kind of broad-based programs. Mm -hmm. For us, it was you know us marketing to a lot of small SaaS companies in certain regions of the country, kind of looked the same, had similar challenges, and there really wasn't a need at that time to go kind of one-to-one -one or one-to-few because the story and the kind of the value we were providing felt broad enough that we mm -hmm. could think about that in terms of that one-to-many motion. And for us at Zora, kind of tied to what we're talking about, shifting to more of an enterprise kind of software mindset and moving up market, um, all of that then kind of just naturally ties into going after large complex organizations, which are markets in themselves. And when you think about, you know, a one-to-few motion or one-to-one -one motion, many times it's you know, even sometimes within current customers that you have, and you just have a little bit of the business and you want to go wide and, and capture more value. And, um, and that's something you really wouldn't see as much in an SMB play. So, you know, there definitely is this intentional mindset that we all have, and it just really goes back to kind of your strategy as a company, the way you focus in terms of how you're prioritizing, excuse me, prioritizing your markets, mm -hmm. the accounts. And then from there, you then kind of build upon it a, a marketing strategy that makes sense. So as we've shifted as a company to more of the enterprise and strategic kind of you know, market, I guess, um, with that, we've seen our marketing strategy shift. And within that, field marketing is sort of the tip of the spear um, going after these top accounts. I, I love that. And do you, do you put equal parts emphasis on field marketing and account-based marketing for both net new and existing logo? Um, or do you weight those depending upon the makeup of accounts that sit on both sides? Yeah, I think and this is really the first year that we're really doubling down on both what we call new business and upsell and upsell being mm -hmm. that kind of BU expansion, as we call it here, kind of going after different BUs or subs subsidiaries that are within these larger complex organizations. Mm -hmm. So I think it really goes, it comes down to the kind of the, the regions or territories that a field marketer is focused on, um, the targets of that business and kind of where they're more heavily weighted and also where the opportunity is. So we see, for instance, in one of our franchises, which is, we call it strategic here, and it's all customers. It's a very, you know, finite world of cherry-picked customers or top customers that have the most potential for us to go after in terms of, you know, finding new pockets of opportunity and growing these as customers. So to me, that's nearly 100% of that BU expansion motion because it's, it's the, whole built, the whole model is built upon um, getting wider, kind of landing and expanding. And then we have a, another organization in North America called Enterprise, and that's a mix of customers and prospects. But for us, it's more heavily weighted on the new business motion. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we may not do as many one-to-one -one, um, plays, but for sure, targeted one-to-many still makes a ton of sense. And that one-to-few, 100% makes sense. So ABM still is there, but you know, maybe we're dialing up different parts of that model versus yeah. strategic or strat franchise it's for sure heavily weighted on that one-to-one -one and one-to-few. Yep. In my mind, and I've been noticing this, or it's a prediction potentially, I should say, because um, I haven't seen anybody quite execute it yet, but I almost see in this new in this new market that, that B2B marketers need to play within, there's going to be this like convergence of like demand gen and customer marketing and field and ABM into this like one super function that's sole responsibility. It's, it's a revenue focused function. Um, it's not optimizing for like a conversion or, or an MQL, but mm -hmm. instead it's thinking about where's the biggest upside that our collective function should be spending the most amount of time, resources, and people to work. 
Um, and it's so cool to see like this starting to, to be pulled out, especially in your strategy, it sounds like. Yeah. And it's something we're starting to, to find too, that it's really, the, it's not just the marketing. I mean, even within marketing, we have alliances marketing. So where do partners come into play? Like mm -hmm. partners are critical when you're thinking about moving up market and breaking into these huge organizations. Um, so there's that there's, as I mentioned, this kind of central demand team and digital team where field marketing in the past, we never really thought about budgeting ABM digital plays yeah. or programs or direct mail. But you know, now in this, this new ABM world, we're working in partnership with these teams and they're helping us kind of activate in these kind of more niche use cases versus mm -hmm. let's just do a paid you know, digital strategy for 10,000 accounts and we'll stop there. Now we're thinking about what's the digital strategy for these you know, three or four or five accounts. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's for sure overlap there. And you know, customer marketing, yes, content marketing, I feel like the list can go on. It's not this you know, charter that only field marketing has. I think we're the ones driving the bus um, web marketing, by the way, it's another one. We're engaging our web team right now to think about web personalization and how can we think about that, not just for anybody who shows up to the website, but those top 100 accounts, for instance. Um, but anyway, it's field marketing often kind of beating the drum and, and bringing those people together. Because um, it's also, if you're not careful, it's something that too many cooks can be in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And then there's just a lot of random things happening um, without maybe a strategy around it for these top accounts. So it feels really important that, and we call them FMMs here, and FMM is um, kind of leading that charge and bringing together uh, a lot of these teams that share a similar mission, but you know, it may not be coordinated unless we have someone quarterbacking that. Exactly. And, and the other thing too, that we've been really pushing for here is it's not even just field marketing or marketing that thinks about ABM. You know, we've been um, you know, really focused on beating this drum across all sources of kind of pipeline drivers within the company. So it's it's marketing, it's what's the sales component to an ABM strategy, a BDR component to mm -hmm. ABM um, alliances. And this is something where it's not just something marketing wakes up and does every day. We need to have absolute alignment on those accounts. We need to have absolute alignment on kind of what everyone's role is within this broader strategy and motion. Because um, also field marketers were only, you know, sometimes a, a team of three or four or five, depending on the company, maybe it's larger if you're um, you know, funded in that way, but we can only do so many one to few and one to one campaigns or programs. So, you know, it shouldn't mean that's all we do. There should be a component that a salesperson is driving into their accounts. There should be a component that um, a partner manager is thinking about that they're kind of driving into some of these top accounts. And on, in a perfect world, a lot of this is also coordinated between marketing and sales and our BDRs and our alliances teams. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like if, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, your, your recommendation here is really to encourage organizations to have the FMMs or have the field marketing function be the drivers of this strategy and figure out like who do they need to bring onto the bus and when, but they're really the ones that are in control of the destiny of the programming in order to influence pipeline. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely quarterbacking it. I think they're also there to continue the conversation and, and hold other teams accountable too. If it's not just, you know, to me, there's a marketing component, but then there may be other things with those other teams I mentioned that actually have little to do with marketing, but we should all be thinking about it in the same way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we should be the ones, if, if it's not happening organically, kind of spearheading that conversation every week, thinking about what is the plan across all of our teams for these top accounts. And yeah, I do think um, a quarterback is needed and someone, as I keep saying, sort of beating that drum. And to mm -hmm. me, a field marketer is a perfect person for that. I, I love that. I wanted to, to um, 
pick your brain a little bit in terms of your point of view and in what really has changed and what has not changed when we're talking about the evolution of the field. It sounds like this is a this is a significant change, I think, for some organizations that are a little bit more forward thinking about it. But from your point of view, what are other areas that have remained the same but also have evolved for the better potentially? Yeah. It's a good question. I've been thinking about this recently, kind of what still holds true, even given, you know, with COVID and everything else that's happened in our world in the last year, and then what has shifted. So I'd say certain things that have remained the same. Um, I like to say that field marketing is the connective tissue yeah. between our corporate or kind of core marketing teams and then the field. To me, that hasn't changed and it shouldn't. I, it's, it's, to me, it's one of our, you know, not main priorities, but it's, it's a very important priority that we need to be the um, the central team that is carrying out the updates from our corporate central teams out to the field um, to activate on broader programs or just letting them know that certain things are, you know, are available for them to use or certain things have gone live, just FYIs. But at the same time, they, we should also be the connective tissue back from the field to our central marketing teams to bring that feedback, to bring that voice to the customer, to bring that insight that we are the closest to since we're spending our days, you know, on these um, you know, pipeline calls, these franchise leadership calls, talking to reps, talking to customers and prospects. So to me, that 100% remains true with our organization. Um, for us at Zora, what hasn't changed either is our ultimate focus, um, which is revenue or pipeline. So if I start getting into a conversation with someone and their kind of main KPI for me would be, you know, MQLs, I was like, no, like that's really not it. Mm -hmm. the end of the day, what I care about the most is, is my region getting to its pipeline number? Um, yes. So <laughs> exactly. Revenue, revenue, revenue. And that's the ultimate accountability to the business. And it doesn't mean that we own every single program that is making that happen, but we are holding the system accountable. Mm -hmm. We are owning a lot of components within that as well with the programs that we build and run, um, as we say here, but we're also ensuring if there are certain parts of that system that aren't firing, or we could be doing more around. We're kind of helping quarterback, quarterback that and also working really closely with our leaders to ensure that this is really coming together across marketing, our BDRs, our sales teams, alliances, mm -hmm. et cetera. So pipeline revenue 100% remains a focus, has not changed. If anything, it's just even more clear that that's exactly what we should be focused on. Um, things we change, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this, but just the channels that we think about as field marketers, I think in a really positive way um, has shifted. And of course we miss events. We miss the ability to you know, get in front of customers, our top prospects, and even seeing our internal teams. I mean, it's been hard not having that this year. I think a silver lining though, um, is just the ability to think more broadly about that mix, especially as it relates to that one-to-few and one-to-one -one motion. And you know, for us, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about it. You know, if my budget maybe was funded two years ago, it would be mostly around events and the conferences we sponsor or the field events we run or the third party, you know, niche events that we're gonna go still go sponsor out in the field. Um, maybe some other things, but that would be the bulk of it. And now if I look at my mix, you know, we're thinking about these ABM pilots, whether it's direct mail or gift giving or um, digital components like LinkedIn and mail campaigns for our mm -hmm. top accounts and beyond. It's really, to me, just the beginning of scratching the surface on even how you think about funding this organization versus other um, organizations with, within marketing. And then, of course, how you make an impact has changed, too, and thinking about everything virtually. It's still really interesting when you think about um, I think the inroads that have just happened or just have found their way this year with 
you can still create engaging experiences even in a virtual world. Um, you know, we've had success still having virtual roundtables as though someone, you know, we've got a group of 10 people around at a virtual dinner table. It would have been at Morton Steakhouse, but now it's on a Zoom call, yep. but still having this ability to get people talking to each other, talking to our experts. Um, so kind of a nice surprise as well. This actually does work virtually. Um, never really would have probably thought about that or tried it until you really had no choice. Um, but then also for, you know, from like events perspective, as I mentioned, we're still for sure focused here, thinking about experiences in a different way. So getting really creative with wine events. Um, we just did a really cool um, chef event in Q4 where we basically shipped meal kits to you know, our top executives that had signed up for this program. And together we curated this really cool, delicious dish with a celebrity chef. And, you know, prior to that happening, we had one of our um, kind of executives from Zora kind of say a few words and kind of lay the foundation for conversations we wanted to have with them after, and it was really successful. So, you know, moving beyond events is, I guess, in summary, something that's for sure changed, but within the bucket of events, thinking about how you approach them in a different way virtually and making them more experiential um, has also been a shift for us. Um, let's see, what else? We talked about focus in ABM. To me, that's sort of like the one in big flashing lights of what mm -hmm. has changed the most. So I won't go too far into that one. I'd say the only other thing would be maybe on execution because um, of this virtual world that we're in, it does get a little blurry sometimes of you know what field marketing owns today versus some other teams within marketing. Um, you know, webinars used to be really clear; they lived fully in our central digital and demand team, and we owned field events. And now, if you've got webinars versus a virtual event, what's the difference? Who owns what? Who does what? So we've been working toward the model we call it build versus run here at Zora, where these one-to-many programs are built within our core kind of central teams. And then our role within that is to run it to the field. So activation is our main priority. Um, and then those one to few one to one campaigns, we typically build and run them ourselves. So that's as we talked about some of these niche virtual events or these ABM pilots we're going to run. Um, so that's been really interesting too, just thinking about the handshakes that you have now. And it's so mm -hmm. critical more than ever to be really clear on roles and responsibilities within the greater marketing organization because it's just not as black and white as it used to be. That's what I was gonna say. I mean, it sounds like for the better, and, and I agree with you, um, you know, the, the definition of the field has evolved beyond event, which I think is like a welcome decouple, especially for tried and true field marketers the whole time they've been like, my value doesn't just lie in the yeah. event that I create. Um, but I think amongst all those changes, what would you recommend somebody who's seeing themselves in this conversation right now and are like, our, our field has too evolved. How can I help navigate this new territory? Um, it sounds like one recommendation you just had was really distilling the roles and responsibilities, like functionally speaking in your org to make sure those, those lines are really defined. But are there any other areas you'd recommend somebody um, or, or landmines potentially that you'd recommend they avoid as they're trying to navigate these changes? Yeah, it's it's an important question because I think we've been lucky that we've had leadership, um, existing leadership and new leaders who've come into our organization that just kind of get it. So it hasn't been this um, internal PR, I guess, internal PR campaign that you also have to go on. You know, one thing that we did, we spent a lot of time in Q4 as a growth organization, which is the organization Field Marketing rolls into mm -hmm. at Zora, as we um, spent a lot of time on our, we called it our manifesto. So what is 
our vision? What's our mission? What are the values that we think about and we hold ourselves accountable to and each other every day? And then all of that floating down to um, what's the kind of role charter per team within growth? And then where do we have dependencies on the system, yep. whether it's you know outside of marketing or it's within marketing? And if we found that there were some like hmm, funny areas or things that felt really gray, we just had some really raw open conversations with teams and worked it out. And it's still, you know, is hundred percent perfect? No, but does it feel so much better than maybe what it was six months ago, nine months ago, even before COVID hundred yeah. percent. And when you do that and you also align on just by the way, like the KPIs that we're all holding ourselves accountable to the primary ones versus what maybe qualifies as secondary or tertiary, or just nice to have moving forward, it becomes a lot more clear of who does what, why and you know how you partner versus maybe what you individually own and you know who you may need to kind of bring into the fold mm -hmm. um even if it's just from an fyi perspective so that to us was a huge focus for q4 and it really set us up um to hit the ground running in q1 and we weren't you know starting a new year with a new strategy new budgets and new teams and all the good stuff and then all of a sudden just banging mm -hmm. into each other because we hadn't thought about it yep. so i would totally recommend that it may feel a little like I got you know I got the day-to-day -to, -day to do like we have to go talk about this stuff but it's mm -hmm. so important to do that also because it will help you downstream as you're starting to actually bring this to life and and do it in a way where you can still be effective and make an impact mm -hmm. and I completely agree with you and it sounds like too as you're having those those raw and honest conversations you you probably peel back and tease out some of the relationship dynamics that are like inherent to the systems of a sales and marketing um, and account management functions, all those revenue generating teams. Do you think over the past year plus there's been a change in the relationship dynamic, especially between the field marketer and rep that they directly or territory they directly support? Um, and, and if so, have you had to work harder to maintain those relationships? Yeah. It's been interesting. I think at the beginning, it was, I heard a lot of people, even people I've worked with in a past life and they're reaching out to me. They're like, are you doing okay? Like, are you still employed? I'm like, why wouldn't we be? They're like, well, there's no more events. What are you guys going to do? And, <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> uh, I know. I'm like, well, let's, we'll, we'll work on those folks eventually. But <laughs> internally, you know, we had a little bit of that as well. People being like, yeah, but you guys can't run the big, you know, conference anymore. You're not going to have these, you know, 20 plus sales dinners and things happening every, every quarter, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. And so it really became um, back to that internal PR campaign, aligning and, and staying close and talking about kind of the, the vision for where this organization and honestly where marketing's going in this new world. And, you know, I think for us, I was also gone for six months on maternity leave this past year, so I can't take full credit, but it was um, something that we definitely started to do in Q1. Um, when everything sort of just changed and we had to pivot quickly. But I think what also works is you start to experiment quickly and you start to see results and then you showcase those results. And then you, you know, bring people into the fold who maybe are bought into this new model and you highlight those successes and you let those great reps or those great BDRs kind of talk about it. And, and, and mm -hmm. hopefully if it's not us, that's Kind of the one that's convincing the, the system or the organization people are hearing it from their their peers yeah. and you know then they maybe lean in a little bit more into the next program and start to realize hmm, you know this did actually really work for me 
-hmm. And, you know, I think it's just been a really great year for Zora as a business, as a marketing team. We've only grown pipeline in exponential ways year over year. So the, the, the proof is also in the metrics. If you're getting up and what if you're, you know, shouting from the rooftops, like this is kind of where we've evolved to be or what we're going to be focused on, how we're kind of prioritizing things for the next quarter. And then you showcase the results after that happened. And, you know, you've, you've crushed your, you've killed your pipeline growth by 50% year over year, or quarter over quarter. It's hard for people to believe in that. But when you continue to test things and iterate, and then you see the results working and you get to the end of the quarter, you're like, we just had a, you know, incredible um, run at pipeline. Yeah. The numbers are there. This works. You start to, I think, bring people in because they see that there's, um, there's tangible results and there's results out that they can, they can, they can feel because mm -hmm. it's their territories and it's speaking in a language that they think about. You know, if we sat there and talked about MQLs all day, I don't know if they'd really care, but if we're <laughs> going to talk to you about pipeline and our coverage ratio to what you guys need to close next year and how we're in a really healthy place. And also we just crushed our pipeline generation numbers from a year ago or even six months ago. Like those are the things that the organization, especially out in the field, they pay attention to mm -hmm. and it starts to connect and click. So I think my summary would be, you know, thinking about what's important to your audience mm -hmm. and thinking about how you can align your strategy and what may be new and different or what you want to experiment with um, in a way that it thinks about and prioritizes the things that they're already thinking about. And also some of that language is the same and, you know, you're, you're aligning with them versus trying to force something in that they're like, I don't know what this noise is. Mm -hmm. Like, here's what I'm worried about every day. How does it help me achieve this? When you can align to that, I think you, um, you'll see a lot um, greater kind of uptick or just, you know, belief in, in the new yeah. people. I, I think it's a really smart way to approach it, especially when you think about account-based anything, it's a series of experimentations, right? You have a very limited segment of the market that you are looking to create awareness and engagement and response within. And as a result, it's going to have to take a couple of tries until you can hit the nail on the head, but it's worth it because of the upside. Yep. Have you noticed in your experience as you are testing and iterating, especially with your, your sales counterparts, and sometimes the results take a while to produce, right? Have you had a hard time kind of keeping them on the hook or keeping that belief and that buy-in until the results actually produce in a way that you can point back to them? Yeah, and I think that's the reality. Like you can't just snap your fingers and all of a sudden this thing is a well-oiled machine and it's producing and we're running, you know, 2000 ABM one-to-one -one campaigns every quarter. You just can't. Mm -hmm. I think it's a matter of um, you don't want to abandon what's worked you want to still optimize for like that one-to-many motion. If we go back to ABM is one-to-many, one-to-few, one-to-one. You know, we're really getting, I think, really scientific about the one-to-many now in a way that perhaps we weren't a year ago, two years ago. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's um, maybe a little bit easier to see results from because it's maybe more of a refinement on some of the things we've been doing mm -hmm. or things that we've been funding in the past. And it's just maybe more the messaging we're using or the ways that we approach accounts by segments, um, the vertical you know, mindset that we have now. And then with the others, you know, I'm challenging my team to start small, um, kind of under promise over deliver. Mm -hmm. So you know, we're also being really careful to set the right expectations that if we're now ABM minded in terms of a field marketing organization, that doesn't mean that we're gonna be able to run 20 of those one-to-one -one campaigns per FMM every quarter, we just can't. But if we can figure out what are the two or the three or the four 
that we want to want align with leadership on. So everyone's feeling really good that these are the top three or four that we're gonna have the greatest impact in. Mm -hmm. And then we agree on, here's the pilot we'd like to run. And then understand like, you know, it may not be perfect, but we're gonna learn from it and we're gonna ideally see some results. I feel like that's the way to think about it. And more often than not, it will move the needle. Mm -hmm. It may move the needle, you know, 80% or 8%, but it's still going to be moving the needle. It's the right thing to do. It definitely does not hurt to be moving to this, this methodology. I mean, you have to today, if you're moving up market and moving more into the enterprise. So it really goes back to just expectation setting alignment, um, starting small, but really nailing those, those campaigns instead of I'm going to go after so many accounts, do nothing well. And then it falls apart because it just didn't get the focus or the attention mm -hmm. it needed. So I would say that would be my, my guidance and communicate, um, you know, stay in close communication with your sales teams, your leaders, and, and let them also be accountable too. Like I always tell my teams, I'm like, ABM won't work if it's just you guys pushing this. Mm -hmm. Like if your sales rep, the person who owns that account is not at the table with you and a partner, we're not even going to do it because it will fall apart. We yep. need them to be bought in. We need them to be helping us, you know, build relationships in the organization. That's not us. We can help you, you know, provide the tools to go knock on the door and start new conversations. But if they're not taking the baton mm -hmm. and continuing um, or going even wider than where we can focus, it doesn't make sense. So yes. we really are focused on just thinking about it across the board. And, um, and then we're all on the hook to make it work. And, you know, we kind of learn and grow together. Mm -hmm. And I love that, especially the that concept of under promise over deliver, it's all about that upfront expectation setting too, right? Empowering the FMM to educate the, the sales rep or the BDR on expected outcome and how long it might take to, to receive that. And that way they don't wake up the next morning being like, where's my net new business yeah. meeting, right? Exactly. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I love that. Well, Becky, it's been such a treat talking to you. I could spend all day having yeah. you in my office. Um, any final words of wisdoms, um, recommendations, leave behinds that you want to impart on our audience today? Um, I tell my team all the time, crawl, walk, run. And just real with anything in life, um, even being a new mom, you literally crawling and walking and running, I guess it's actually parenthood <laughs> for the little baby, but like, don't boil the ocean, um, start small, experiment, pilot things, set expectations, you know, ensure you're aligned in your organizations. And before you do all of those things, think about aligning the internal systems mm -hmm. and having those tough conversations and getting those internal stakeholders on board. So that when you are in that pilot and exper experimentation phase, you're not um, thinking about it for the first time. I think you're testing things, things that you maybe thought in theory, this is the way it should work, but start there before you even go too far down the experimentation path, just because it's going to help you start to move a lot faster um, and just have fun. Honestly, like this is probably the most fun I've ever had in field marketing, which is yeah. interesting because I'm not, you know, flying around the country and doing the things I still love, which would be meeting with customers and, you know, seeing my reps and all the leaders and folks that we love so much. And mm -hmm. it's, um, but it's still just really exciting to think about the, the model itself and how it's allowing us to really think about it differently. And I think this will be a turning point for B2B marketing, um, especially in the enterprise software space, which is what I can talk to. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. I'm also very intrigued once the world goes back to this new normal, mm -hmm. you know, what changes or, or how do we evolve this further? My hope is we don't 
swing back to the way it used to be. Mm -hmm. I hope it's some interesting, healthy blend of it all, but um, I guess time will tell. Time will tell, but I'm in your camp. I hope it, I hope this is, this is the new normal. It's challenging our teams and applying our teams in way more creative and interesting ways for my opinion too. Awesome. Thank you, Becky. Again, such a treat to have you and see everybody on the next office hours. Take awesome. care. Thanks for having me.